This episode of Bulldogs Our Podcast is brought to you by Bulldogs NFT. We are three dumb digs aiming to make a huge difference in the Web3 space. For more information regarding our Bulldogs NFT project, head to our socials, Bulldogs underscore NFT on both Instagram and Twitter, and our website, www.bulldogsnftrange.com. The Wardogs Hour podcast aims to inspire people by sharing real-life experiences and what possibilities we have at our fingertips using our connections, skills and disciplines learned from our time in the military. Let's spin some mad worries and have a laugh. Hi, boys. I have a question for the men. What the fuck do you want? What is it? I can't figure it out. This episode of War Dogs Out, we're going to highlight the military career and post-military career of Ryan Dodd, a founding member of this mission. Ryan's military career was one that saw him posted the 5 IR, where he was a vital member of the mighty 5 IR mortar platoon, in which he deployed to Afghanistan on MTF2. Since discharging, Ryan has established himself as not only one of the best tattoo artists in Australia, but also a successful businessman that has seen him co-own a studio that recently celebrated its 10th year of operations. Himself and his business partner, Sean, have been the benchmark in tattoo studios on the Gold Coast for quite some time now. And in what can only be described as a heavily saturated market, these guys will continue to improve and crush it like no other. This one will be a cracker and we will do warn our audience now, adult ears are best suited for this one. Mate, welcome back to Cairns. A uh, bit of a change from the Gold Coast, mate. Yeah, it's nice. Beautiful. As soon as I got off the plane, I was like, oh, thank God. It's warm again. It's um, been stinking here lately, so good to have you boys both back here in Cairns too. Oh, it's good, man. It's, uh, yeah, coming from a really cold winter where I am in New South Wales, it's um, a nice change. Yeah, fuck that shit. Um, we were out building the other day and getting a sweat on, which would have been unusual, um, and then we'll probably get a sweat on with a few beers later on too. So, mate, we'll get stuck into it. As odd as these questions are going to sound, mate, coming from us, hmm. um, how are we this morning? And are you, pre- are you prepared to be put to the sword by the two of us as we reveal yourself to our listeners, mate, and more importantly, our Web3 um, supporters as well? Yeah, good. Yeah, nuts. No, I'm, I'm ready. Um, by the way, good intro. You guys definitely over-exaggerated almost everything in that about me. Oh, I thought you wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here just pumping your bags, mate, but you're the one that wrote it, bro. So. Sitting in the corner just fucking imagine. Yeah. <laughs> How can I pump these bags a little bit more? <laughs> mate, yeah, you deserve it though. It's all true. And um, obviously my dogs have come in here, so we're going to have some... Uh, live entertainment mixed in with the podcast today. Yep. So, mate, let's touch on your pre-military career. Um, you've told us in person that you're a bit of a shitbag uh, when you were younger. Let's give the listeners um, a brief two-year outlook pre-military and paint the picture for us leading into signing the green line. Oh, Jesus. Um, two years before I was in the Army. So I joined when I was 17. Um, I went away uh, two days after my 18th birthday. So two years before the Army, like I would have been lucky to have a bloody hair on my ball sack, but um, <laughs> but yeah, just just uh, was was um living with my old man. He um he was pretty busy with just being a chippy and all that, so sort of just left a little bit to my own sort of devices, um, which was good because obviously fucking almost a little bit sort of had to look after myself, um, and learn a little bit about that. But yeah, obviously as you can imagine, used to sort of run amok a bit as well, um, and then yeah, mum mum uh just fully fucking um uh what's the bloody word mum literally just conned me into joining the army she i I had my heart my heart set on uh engineering or maybe architecture or something like that um and by the time i finished school i was just pretty sick of the learning environment so uh she sort of just pushed me in the direction of the army saying that engineers are in the army so i am not the engineers that you were thinking (laughs) without even reading or researching anything i um yeah i just uh signed up as a combat engineer did the uh did the joe's day was the only mum made me wear a suit and fuck did i not feel like a fucking proper just uh just a fully young 
peanut. I mean, but at, at, at the end of the day, like it definitely worked for me. But I was, yeah, I was the only one in a suit there. I think I did the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember just sitting around and I mean, just those the drop kicks around me, obviously. But yeah, I'm sitting there in a suit and I'm just like, oh, what a fucking loser. Yeah. But um, but yeah, my recruiter was like, yeah, fucking points in the box straight away for, for rocking up in the suit. Um, but yeah, in the terms of like not researching shit, I remember even he gave me that phone call where you got to answer the couple of questions and about what you're going to oh, do yeah. in that. Yep. He's like, oh, you've been researching? I was like, fucking no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What weapon do you use? With this? Yeah, I was like, oh shit. Um, so yeah, no, it was just, just, yeah, just, just a young, young little shit really. And, um, and yeah, fucking went away two days after my 18th birthday, which was, yeah, which was, which was awesome to have my 18th at home and then, and then boom, straight, straight onto the um, plane and then the bus from Sydney airport, I'm pretty sure. The old, the old crusty sergeant waiting at oh, fucking Sydney yeah. airport for you and chuck you in your hotel room, give you his little, little spiel that night, make sure you're ready in the morning this time, blah, da da. I can still remember his face too in that shitty little airport, don't you? Yeah, he's fat, he's fat little, fat little bald sergeant, yeah. I remember, big ranger moustache, yeah. flexing his power on you already too. <laughs> oh God, here we go. So, and then, so you signed up as an engineer, what happened? Um, so during Kapuka, I just, um, I just... Yeah, I was like, oh, look, it's not oh, – I had bombardiers and, and arty sergeants and that and it's like it's not really anything that I sort of thought it would have been. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to core transfer just like, I don't know, two or three weeks into Kapuka. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I thought as an 18-year-old, I thought shooting shit and blowing shit up um, as the way infantry was described to me sounded sounded like it was my – Bag, yeah. All the bells so, and whistles. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, just, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was just a paperwork thing changed for him at the at that time, and um, and yeah, I just kicked on and went fucking normal. So, yeah. would you say that your mum was the main factor in joining the military? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, it was it was great. I um, I, I'm fucking proper, proper thankful and and yeah. proud of what what. I did in the army in that. Yep. So, yeah, I can't, I can't knock it one bit, you know. I probably only ever got out because all the other boys were getting out. If I had have stayed in, you know, I mean, if I wasn't doing tattoo and I don't know what I would do. I'd probably probably still enjoy being in the army, you know. Yeah. From what I can remember, the fun times and that, like I loved it. Um, but, yeah, mum, mum definitely pushed me in that direction. I, I would probably say, you know, if my body and brain didn't start falling apart, I would definitely still be in the suck. <laughs> like I loved the job. Mm. I absolutely loved it. But, yeah. you know, the old body doesn't um, agree with that anymore. Um, so signing the line and heading off, you said your enlistment date was March. Yeah, was it March 10th? March 10th. March 10th. So give us the rundown of your initial year and your thoughts um, behind getting posted to Darm because you had an interesting um, experience. You boys did IETs in Darwin, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, did Pookie, fucking no dramas, went away to Singo, was in holding platoon for a bit in Singo. Um, and then, yeah, one day we just just formed up and they were just like, righto, names, blah, 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 private Dodd, da, 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 all these other names. Um, get your stuff ready, you're all going to Darwin tomorrow. And I was like, um, Sarge. I'm not going to six. Um, yeah, Sergeant. Um, Sergeant. I want like, to go to six. Waving at him. Oh, Sarge. Um, uh, I put my preferences for like Brisbane, like eight yeah. nine. Or, I was eight nine even around back then. Yeah, maybe, maybe six. Yeah. yeah, I put my preferences for eight nine or six R in in Brisbane. Like I don't think I'd be going to Darwin. And he goes, mate, you fucking going where you fucking told. <laughs> And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, and yeah, fucking boom, up to Darwin. Um, and then yeah, we we started our IETs up in Darwin, and that was good. That was, uh, I mean, I think any course running battalion was always a bit more sort of, um, of a smash course from what I saw. But what um, time of year was it? Uh, it would have been it was full full dry season, so like June through to maybe September. Yeah, I not think. too bad, not build up yet. Nah, yeah, yeah, nah, it was nice, man. Like, I mean, f from then the years we'd done in Darwin and running around in the fucking scrub up there, like yeah. we were in the best time of the year yeah. to be going out and doing that shit. Um, so yeah, that was good. So you, I mean, I probably would have fucking rather be in Darwin warm than Singo's fucking weather oh, at yeah. that time of year. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Um, we did IETs in the spring. Spring, yeah. So it was still relatively hot in summer, but then we had dudes go down with 
hypothermia, hypothermia with the cold, cold at yeah. night time. Yeah. Like, mate, it's fucking 40 degrees of the day, man. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, we had const- like we had um we had one of the one of the IETs go down with heat and then got heat stroke on yeah. a pack march. Because you guys got pumped, eh? Like, yeah. From I- all records, like those courses that were run at battalion were savage. And for the boys that got posted to Darwin. Um, there was a couple of well-known corporals there that just absolutely did you boys in. Yeah, well, you're going into their battalion, so they definitely yeah. want to make sure you're worth, worthy of it. And when they're probably not worthy in their own right to tell the truth. <laughs> so big shout out to those corporals. Um, hopefully don't run into you again because you're big men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Um, Deployment-wise um, at Five I went to Afghan, um, both of you, on MTF2. Uh, let's dive into the role you deployed as, because you went as a specialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orders. So, um, oh, we only I only just missed out on a Timor trip, which I was spilling about. Mm. Um, the sister IET platoon was in two weeks um, in front of us. That their entire platoon went to Timor, and then there was I think there was like two or three guys from our platoon who ended up going to Timor. So. Fuck, that would have been absolutely beautiful. Come straight out of ITs, go straight over eight months with I think it was BG five. Yeah. Um, that would yeah, that would have been fucking cream of the crop. Couple more gongs on the chest. Yeah, a little bit more money in the bank. That would have been yeah. fucking delicious. But um, but yeah, so we missed out just by a little bit of that, which is all good. But then yeah, um, with Afghan, I got a um, mortars support course. Um, the to the mighty mortars, fucking best. Honestly, best funnest job. Ever. Um, and then, yeah, so I think I did my course about maybe 10 months, maybe 10-ish months, I think, before the trip. Yep. Um, so then, yeah, back into mortar platoon and then fucking training up with the platoon and then, yeah, went away with um, MTF2. And combat team Charlie. Uh, combat team Delta. So Delta. We're, we're out of Marshall um, in the Chora Baluchi Valley, which was, which was sick. So what were you? Were you like um, three on six or? <laughs> I was I was the orange peeler. <laughs> no, I um I was a number two, number two on three. I was oh, look, mate. I'm fucking good. I cross all the spots on the line, but unfortunately, <laughs> some of the boys in the in the section weren't great across some of the spots, and yeah. so they. You just want to touch on um, what that means? Um, I dropped the bomb. <laughs> yeah, I, I throw the bomb down the tube, basically. Um, you've got number one who aims it, who fucking doles in the, the C2 site. You've got number two who holds the bomb and ready to drop it down the tube. And then you've got your number three who's prepping the ammo for whatever sort of charge bags and, um, you know, fuse settings and stuff like that we were getting. Getting um, the Red Bulls. Yeah, yeah, Red Bulls. you got you got the, um, yeah, the Seco who'll be running around checking everyone and then you'll have the 2RC with a CPOA... Um, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, what is that control post operator? Oh, look, I can't remember, mate. I should yeah. notice. Um, Communication post operator uh, assistant, I think. CP. Yeah, you, CP. Anyway, you're on, on the radio, radio, on the radio. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, fucking uh, that's how the sections run. So yeah, I was number two on the, third, on the third tube command post. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, right. Um, I've just completely lost what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Do you want so, me to keep waffling No, on? no, no, no. So I got it. So you were still pretty young at that stage. Yeah, I was 20. Deployed. So I deployed, um, I was 20 years old. I think I was the youngest on our patrol base for the most of the trip until I think we got one of the engineers who was a rocker replacement and he was 20 but just a little bit younger than me. So um, when, you know, you're getting sent to Afghan, do you honestly believe at that age – 20 you were prepared to go into combat or do you think the military prepared you enough to go to combat i reckon i reckon i was pretty like i mean um you like in the terms of gun ho i was very very keen and i got pulled up a couple times from the older boys who'd done a couple of trips because of my keenness um you know just being like super ready to get into a fight yeah um which look, I, I was still fucking stoked about. So yeah, in the terms of being prepared, like I felt like I was like mentally ready to go. In the terms of maturity and experience, like obviously pretty young, but yep. fuck, like we're in an environment that you learn very, very quick. We had um we had one of our snipers get shot in the third patrol of our entire trip, you know, before boys were even in Afghan, one of our boys is already getting sent yep. back to Australia. So that was out of my patrol base. That was that was a very quick eye-opener going, holy fuck, this is not 
like a summer camp. This is the real deal, um, you know, switch on. And I think that was that was for, for, for myself anyway, that was probably like a really good thing mm. um, in a bad way, you know. Like it was a good thing to have that reality check straight away yep. Yep. so you don't have that level of complacency at all at the start. It's just fucking right open. This is serious. Like, make sure you switch on. I think it was a big help too, because at the um, at the time, the battalion had a heap of experienced people. Oh yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say that too. Like, people underestimated Five R, but like when we got there, um, and we've said this before, the battalion was full of experienced um, veterans. Yeah, um, they were all grown men too. Like, they weren't little boys. So when we walked into the battalion, these boys are jacked. Like. 25 and up, like mid-30s, heaps of gongs on the chest. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I think so. I think from my section, um, like we had um, me at 20 years old up to 38-year-olds in my section and boys who were just weapons, you know. Like I think I was the only one in my section who hadn't gone, done it um, at least one trip. Yeah. And then there were some boys who'd done two Afghan – oh, sorry, this was their second Afghan – done Iraq, a couple of boys had done Iraq, Timor, and yep. this was their Afghan trip. So, yeah, there was plenty of there was plenty of boys to put me back in my spot when when I might say a silly lid thing, like, fucking can't wait to get fucking shot at. And then these cunts are like, pull your fucking head in, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so from the trip, um, have you got a good story? Any? Oh, you, you've got a couple of worries. We know you do. <laughs> so, yeah, let's hear, let's hear two of your best. We'll go... Um, no time constraints on this episode too. So uh, obviously Ryan likes to chew the ear off us. So let's, <laughs> let's hear it here, mate. Um, I think I – and, oh, and your biggest stitch up too. Let's hear that too. My biggest stitch up was as in like to me or or what I've done to other people. I just used to love playing out bush. You just walk back from like fucking the CHQ area and be like, oi, boys, you're going to be fucking gutted. But I just heard the CSM talking <laughs> to cunts and we're going to get transport a day later now. Oh. And then you just watch it just go through the boys like wildfire and the for fuck's sake we've been out there you're fucking a, you would be that yeah, bloke you're too just a pest grab, right? yeah. what do they call it <laughs> fucking pest you love eating off the bloody negative morale yeah well fire. I feel like when someone else is hurting more I'm like oh it's not that bad look at that cunt yeah because yeah. <laughs> you made him feel like that too yeah so I mean it's, that would be maybe like my stitch up so I can't pinpoint a stitch up but um I mean overseas I think um I think I was I was I was I I consider myself lucky enough. Um, I got to see uh, what is it CFA course before the trip, yeah. um, and then because we were starting to get a couple of boys getting hurt and the need for an extra CFA or two on the patrol, um, they they would take um, us from mortar a mortar section, which was cool because it go it gave me the opportunity to get out on the ground as well. So. Pretty, I reckon I would have done maybe half patrols, half um, in the patrol base. Got to do ops, um, company size ops, where you, you know support the battle group as it moves through, which was pretty boring. But um, but you know getting out and on the ground and patrolling stuff with the boys was cool. So so yeah, I mean fucking um, a, a funny a funny story in Afghan. I literally almost got my fucking head shot off by being a just a dumb lid. <laughs> were, you, were you sun tanning? No, no, no. Oh, no, yeah, no. So the, the way this works, so um, they, they had these um, they had these uh, like civilian military, uh, sorry, civilian militia um, checkpoints that were getting built um, up the route. I think it was sixty six route sixty six. I think they called it up the Chorobulichi Valley. They were wanting to um, bitumen it. So, so in the prep for that, they needed to basically protect it so the guys can come and build that road. So they were, build, um, they were building a checkpoint just on random dudes' houses or on their roofs or on little hills every sort of two to 300 metres. Um, and these poor cunts, like, they had nothing, you know. Like, they would just chuck a couple of rows of sandbags up and that was their little checkpoint. Like, and so every single, every single day the Taliban would just absolutely smash these cunts. And you, we could watch from the patrol base as we look down towards Kudus and that into like the Baluchi. We can't see Kudus, but obviously just down in that direction. Um, we would watch RPGs exploding on these sandbags. We would fucking watch just Tracer going into the dark every single night. It's like a fireworks show every day. And so 
We used to support them with our 84s. We used to hit them a little bit with the um, the Mark 19, the automated, uh, sorry, the automatic uh, grenade launcher out of the tower. Um, the snipers used to have cracks here and there, but the, the the fucking old Terry used to sort of work out where we could see them and they started sort of hitting these checkpoints from sort of different spots. So that way we couldn't really support them too easily. We used to fire mortar or loom missions up over the green zones so the checkpoints can see them as shit, but... Um, but yeah, so basically what we were doing was we setting a pattern every single day. We would, um, stand two and it'd be about fucking 15 heads pop up and along the side of the, on the, along like a, a patch of wall, um, you know, which is, I don't know, maybe 20 meters wide or some shit. We'd all have 84s on our fucking shoulders and, you know, firing the fucking sniper rifles and just, you know, having a good yippee shoot trying to help, right? And um and one day I was like, this is gonna be sick, can't this <laughs> one's this one's gonna be it? Like I'm fucking jumping up on the I, I eyed off this connex near our tubes up the back of the base, and I was like, I'm sitting up on top of that connex. I'm gonna fucking helmet cam this whole thing so that way I got some cool footage, show my mates at home and shit like that. And so then I was fucking up on this connex. I was I was in the prone position, being safe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'll just get into prone. Like that'll, and, that'll um, that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. And Put so, my head first. so bang, 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 firework display started. We all stood too. We're all fucking having a bit of a look. And then next minute, probably from about well, maybe like four or five different spots across our front of our green zone, across the front of our patrol base, the entire patrol base just got fucking lit up. And I remember like, and you could see it in the video, you can hear the round zipping over my head as well. And you can see like splashes just going doo, 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 like up towards the patrol base. And before you even realize next minute, that's when it's sucking over your head, fucking Star Wars going on. And, and even the Connex that I was on caught a fucking couple of rounds. And so I fucking absolutely shit my pants, like a little fucking... Was it whimpering dog just fucking with my tail between my with my tail between my legs? Literally rolled off this connex onto this fucking Hesco, fell over into the dirt. The boys are all like behind this hardened fucking um, you know compound wall that was already inside our patrol base, just absolutely laughing their fucking heads at me as I'm just fucking scattering for fucking dear life, you know. And, um, and yeah, we sat by this wall, man, and fucking the cunts hit us for maybe, I don't know, half an hour into the night until they sort of, until we started like returning fire and getting real back into them. But we were copping rounds on the, uh, the way Marshall was, it was, um, sort of on a bit of a hill. So the back of the, the patrol base was a bit exposed. You know, if you shot over the top of the front wall, you would hit the inside of the back wall. Um, and so our tubes, the Hescos around our tubes were receiving fire. Like uh, our Hesco was little splashes in that, in the inside of the tower up the back of the patrol base, splashes and shit all along the tower. Like the, the whole patrol base got peppered. Yeah. No one, no one got hurt. No, no dramas like yeah, that. I don't know who surveys these bloody patrol bases because <laughs> we, uh, uh, we had one and you couldn't walk around half of it because it was just, so open. You know it's a good, you know it's a good idea, bro. When you see a valley, you just whack the um, patrol base right in the bottom of the valley. <laughs> Great thinking, guys. Yeah. Well, as well, um, just just to just to make it even better, we were about four hundred meters away from the green zone, so just that little bit too far for the stars to be beautifully inaccurate. And and then you've got them cunts just being able to whack us from a little bit further. So yeah, no, like you said, Tom, it was it was well thought out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone got a gong for all those places. Oh, for sure. And as yeah. well, like yeah. you know, if we walk left out of patrol base, bang, they know exactly where you're going. You walk right out of patrol base, bang, they know exactly where you're going. Like there was no deception at all um, from where we were. Anyway, we were just in, you know, 400 meters out into the dash and just sitting pretty. Anyway, but yeah, so that that's a, that was a funny story. And yeah, the boys fucking thought that was pretty funny. They they obviously put some shit on me for a fair bit of the trip after that. Was the infamous video, I remember, because um, obviously I was back at home when oh, you guys right. were Oh, that's right. We've got other and, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the video popped up on the news and I remember, um, I think it was Geezer. Yeah. You see him yeah, yelling psycho, on the yeah. news. Um, he's going crazy. It was all over the news. Um, well, what was that? Well, so yeah, that that's an, well, that's another funny story. See, so much stuff just... Um, skips your mind you know but i remember because my mum 
bless her, bless her bloody heart. I was like, yeah, mom, I'm into this Air Force base. It's boring as fuck. I'm not doing anything fun. It's like, da, news. da, da. <laughs> it's called Marshall, da, 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 da. And I was like, don't worry about me. I'm all good. You know, can't wait to get home. I've just been playing too much Xbox, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and then so the first thing Hugh Remington rocks up to our patrol base and, and about – I don't know, it would have been not even five minutes when he got into the patrol base. One of our one of our cars that were down the road um, on a hill just observing the road got absolutely just lit up. And so because it was a big show, Joe, the lav cars just positioned, they're just doing Z patterns through the green zone with 25s. We're shooting fucking 84s. We're shooting the Mark 19. Uh, apparently dudes were shooting pistols just to just to be getting any sort of ammunition off. But um, Round down range, oh. So, oh, allegedly, yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, Hugh Remington's there with his little handheld camcorder just batting his willy while he's videoing yeah. us all shooting out of the patrol base. <laughs> Geezer's there with his fingers between his ears calling target references as the 50 cows going off behind him. So it made for good footage, but it was funny because um, Hugh, I uh, watched, that, watched that story and the first thing that Hugh Remington says, he goes, uh, he goes, Cop Marshall, the most dangerous place in the world to be an Australian right now. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I hope the fucking old girl's not watching this one. <laughs> it was all over the news. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, love to jazz it up. But again, like that, that nothing, nothing. Oh, we, we actually, we went and did a clearing patrol the next day. We found a whole heap of blood in that, which was pretty fucking cool. But yeah, no bodies, no nothing to really sort of chase up too quickly. So coming back, you guys got back in what, 2011, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was about June, end of June, two thousand eleven. We so, went over. We went over in September two thousand and ten. And then, yeah, June two thousand eleven. Coming back from Afghan, we all know the environment um, that existed at Favara. It was like a toxic fucking place to be. There was a bit of um, rank issue, I would say. We won't go too much into that. And then the, everyone sort of got disgruntled. And two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen saw the mass exodus. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone, everyone, um, I'm pretty sure like dudes were getting their leave just, just suddenly cut short so they could go on M113 drivers courses. Like oh. next minute, I'm pretty sure they had about eight or nine months straight of bush to get, to get quelled to be the ready battle group. And it was all just a ticker box for the fucking CO. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, um, it was just as well, like you, know, you boys remember, remember the, the old RSM sat up in the, fucking boozer parade and he goes, you are all a fucking cancer to the, if you think you've done good overseas, you are all a cancer to the battalion. Yeah, me, and the C, me and the CO are going to cut you out like a fucking, like the fucking virus you are, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's like, fuck you, can't see you later. It was a, it was a very dark time. And, yeah, you know, so. I think the army lost a lot of good soldiers um, in that period. I mean, if that had been handled a lot better, because uh, obviously boys had a hard time overseas, um, I think if it had it got handled so much better, they would have seen a lot of soldiers stay on. Yeah. Uh, which is well, again, I mean, uh, again, with that sort of era, like the, the trips were sort of drying up, like there was no dangling carrot anymore either. So, you know, you get talked to like that a little bit too much, maybe that's when you are just like, oh, fuck you, like I'm out of here. Yeah. And it's probably probably a bit unfortunate because a lot of dudes just got out without even knowing or having any sort of plan to what they're doing, you know? Yeah, which is scary. And which we, is silly. We harp on about that a lot. Um, you know, it's vital to have a plan when leaving the military. Yeah. You know, if, if it's six months out, start thinking about that straight away because when you leave, you no longer have that tit that you can suck on anymore. Yeah. You know, you don't get your food <laughs> given to you. You know, your life isn't as regimentalised. When um, you fucking blow all your money on payday weekend oh, yeah. and you have to go eat the mess for the next two weeks. <laughs> But I can't. I can't blame anyone for doing that either, because things were pretty bad at that time. They were dire. They were dire. But um, yeah, we'll leave that one there. Um, so we won't sort of harp on about that too much, because you know we'll be here all day. Will, we would be. Feel feel stuck blowing a gasket. Yeah, I probably will blow a gasket. <laughs> Fuck those dudes. Um, so moving on. Um, did you start tattooing um, before you left the army? Were you doing like some on the side or? Yeah, so that was that was probably my luckiest. My yeah, and and I say lucky because it like everything with tattooing sort of just fell into my lap. I've been super lucky to get into tattooing, and and then again like I guess lucky to you know 
be sort of driven enough to sort of push myself into, you know, just not sort of giving up, I guess. But um, when I was in Afghan, uh, obviously we're only patrolling three to four times a week because, you know, there's plenty of downtime. You got to you can only play so many fucking games of ping pong and, and watch so many fucking TV series and... Arsehole and do, like yeah, hard games Yeah, just yeah. smash the terabytes of other stuff on your hard drive as well. But <laughs> yeah, smash your wrist, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so just to sort of pass the time, I was I was starting to draw a little bit and I just I sort of... I was harassing the boys on the base. I was like, wait, fucking, if you're going to get tattooed when you go back home, let me know what you want and I'll just draw your designs up. At least you got something to show your tattooers then, you know? And um, and it was just just purely out of just boredom that I started doing that. Yep. And um, and then that's when I sort of started to. I think a couple people started pepping me up, like "fuck, these are good." Like you should be a tattooist, and I'm like, "fuck, I haven't really thought about it." But you know, started googling how to do it or what to do, or you know, no real idea, no real direction. And I um, tried to find as much info as I could online, but it was all just very sort of like scattered and not sort of. Like to be honest, now that I know what to do, that was like absolute bullshit that I read on online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so from that, I came home um, on my post deployment leave. I started getting tattooed myself, so I got my sleeve done, had a half of my leg done, um, and it was when I was getting tattooed off of this guy who I ended up then doing my apprenticeship under. Um, he, yeah, he was a legend. He was he just fully worded me up everything that I would need to sort of know or do. Um, and then as well, to his credit, he um, got a full list of equipment that I needed to order and he ordered it for me so that way I could get it because um, you don't generally get tattoo gear unless it's delivered to a studio. Yeah. So okay. he um, he ordered all this gear for me through his boss and, um, and yeah, I paid for it and got it and he just literally said, he goes, go home and just start fucking tattooing your mates. And I was like, I don't know. And now that I know, I'm, I'm not advising that. It's probably not the best idea um, of ways to go, but that's the way I went. Um, and so then I went back to Darwin after my leave, um, just with the tattoo machine in my hand, just fully gun-ho, ready to go. Start stinging. Cut. And I was like, come on, boys, down, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> every single person... Very smart of them was like, you're not coming anywhere near me with that. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was, I was a bit of a fucking, oh no, this isn't like going to plan. Um, And then, so yeah, one day I think we, I think I might've got knocked off early for some reason. I was like, yep, I'm just going to try and tattoo myself. And so then I tattooed this eagle just above my knee. Um, And yeah, I think actually, I think I had to go back to work halfway through the piece um, so I went back to work with a bleeding knee, fucking <laughs> went, I don't know, did the boozer parade or whatever it was, then went back home and finished the rest of the piece. For anyone who gets tattooed, like having that break between, you know, the lunch break or whatever, when you come back, it's just so shit to it's get tattooing again. So yeah, I would not advise to try things like that either, but, um, but that's the way I did it. And um and then, yeah, I remember Scotty Hayes. You remember little Scotty Hayes? Yeah, yeah. Scotty Hayes was like, you know what? I will let you tattoo me after he saw this tattoo. And I was I like, him. yeah, I was like, fucking oath. And then, so I was like, well, I'm going to have to work out how to charge people because I just need to make it a little bit just to cover my expenses. So I was like 50 bucks for a tattoo, whatever you want, as big as you want, 50 bucks. That's all I'll charge. And Scotty was like, yeah, mate, no worries, blah, blah, blah. Tattooed some angel on his arm with like a little half portrait and shit in there as well, which again, like fucking second tattoo. Don't even know how I'm, don't even know how to set up a tattoo machine um, and I'm trying to tattoo this angel with like a half portrait on his arm and, you know, it like it looked dog shit. But like for that level of like what I was at, like it was half sort of presentable, you know, and from there every other one of the boys saw that and they were just like, bang, we want to get tattooed off you. So it was – I was really lucky. Again, super lucky that I had the big community of army boys who have got – Fucking a lot of skin yeah. and no common sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like fucking oath, tattoo me. Yeah, Perfect so timing after Afghan too. Like yeah, so I probably I probably tattooed for about maybe or oh, seven seven or eight months. I reckon, um, you know, maybe two three tattoos a week um, in the afternoons after work or on the weekends. Um, so yeah, by the time I left the army, I'd already had a few few tattoos under my belt. And, um, and how, yeah, how long into uh, like. Doing 
all the lads and whatnot, did you think that I could really make a go out of this? I remember when I was doing them and I was like, fuck, you fuck that little line up there. You're like, oh, damn it. So then I remember that was my challenge. I was like, just do this tattoo without fucking up something, you know? And then maybe it probably took, I don't know, maybe like three months, four months of just trying to tattoo and then being happy and going, yes, you did like clean lines. You didn't go outside the line. You know, you did that. So, yeah, probably probably about, you know, maybe three months of doing that um, before I was like, I actually think I might want to do this as like a job. Yeah. And so did you have um, like an apprenticeship lined up before you discharged? <laughs> when, I, um, when I was in, I had a weekend planned back on the Gold Coast and I G'd up with the bloke who'd got all the gear for me in that. I was like, can I meet your boss? Can I get, um, you know, an interview with him to try and get an apprenticeship with him? And um, and he was like, yeah, mate, no worries, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool, sweet as, organized. Like two weeks later, I was I was actually coming home and I was like, oh, hey, bro, like I'm coming home this weekend. Like what time can I go and meet this boss, you know? And he's like, oh, fuck, I'm at a convention this weekend. I'm not, I'm not around. But just like go into his studio and just go and see him. Yep. And just take a booklet of, of your pieces and just sort of just have a chat. He'll be fucking sweet with you. And, and yeah, you can line up an apprenticeship when you finish. And I was like, sweet as, that's a piece of piss. Um, <laughs> I've rocked into his studio where I've been told to, told to go. And I'm like, hey, mate. And he's, and he's like, yep, who are you? And I'm like, oh, g'day, I'm, I'm Ryan Dodd, fucking blah, blah, blah. This is my spiel. I'm in the army at the moment, but I'm getting out soon. I want to get an apprenticeship with you, please. Um, Gretch, has, Gretch has told me to come down and see you. And he's like, Gretch has, come, Gretch has told you that? Because I don't fucking know anything about it. And I'm like, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, anyway, oh, look, I brought a portfolio for you. Like if you want to have a look through, just see how you feel and, you know, if, if you've got any tips or anything and then, you know, maybe we can work out a date for when I get back for when I could probably start here or we can have another interview. And he goes, yeah, yeah, give me a look. And he, he, I don't think I've ever seen anyone turn pages so fucking quickly with such a revolting look on their face. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, he flicked through my book in about fucking 0.2 seconds, literally stood up, looked at, just looked at me over the book and just like, these are all fucking shit. He goes, you need to learn how to fucking draw first before you even think about picking up a tattoo machine, mate. And I just stood there, just stunned mullet, you know? And I was like, whoa. And, and again, Back in like, box, yeah. Like, yeah, but again, like, for me, just being so happy and so confident, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Fucking to bang, my whole life just got fucking cut down at the knees. And he just looks at me as I'm just standing there, just fucking full, just paralyzed. And he goes, is that all you wanted? And I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, sweet as we can get the fuck out of my studio. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And so then I turned around, I walked out. My mate was down the road because he wanted to come with me. And I was like, no, you're not coming in, cunt. Wait down the road. And um, and yeah, he's like, how'd you go? How'd you go? And I'm just like, get in the car, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah. And so I literally, I went back up to Darwin. I was like, fuck, maybe I might pull my discharge. Like fucking <laughs> this tattoo might not be up for me, you know. And um, and then, yeah, I, I sort of like, I didn't tattoo for a little bit. Maybe I didn't tattoo for a month or two and, then I was like, nah, fuck this old cunt. Like I'll, I'll literally, I'll just start drawing. I won't worry about tattooing and I'll start drawing. So then, yeah, I just started drawing like a lot more. I had a couple of drawings, but yeah, like I just started drawing a lot more heavily into that. Um, and then, yeah, so that was my first introduction to then my first boss. And then fucking s stupidly, I just fucking thought I'd still go to that same boss and have a crack. It was mainly because of Gretch. Like I wanted to work under him. He's a good dude. And he taught me how to tattoo. Um, you know, so that was that was my main sort of um, uh, fucking, you know, attraction. Um, and then, yeah, so then the second time I was, I was introduced to Jeff properly and I had a proper interview with him and he was like, yeah, mate, yeah, no worries, I'll put you on, that's all right, the sweet as. And I was like, fuck, this cunt's like full, just different person now. But maybe if he'd done that the first time, you wouldn't have gone back and tried to Yourself, yeah, you know? yeah. Who knows? But well, well, I mean, I have spoke to it. I hit him up a couple of years later, and he's like, "Oh, I don't even remember the first time." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, I fucking do." Kind of, I was scarred. I'm haunted by it. 
it still haunts me to this day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was, that was, and then, yeah, the, uh, I spent a couple of months just fucking around after the army trying to get a night job. It was pretty tricky. I did all this experience for bar work and just try to suss some sort of job because uh, you don't get paid as an apprentice, so. That's yeah. tough. I, um, Very tough. Yeah, so I was trying to get a second job and just no one wanted to put me on. I was fucking going around. These dull bludgers were getting all these courses like given to them for these experiences and the uh, yeah. sort of like barman experience and that. I was paying for it out of my pocket and then still not getting jobs. I was like, fuck, this is fucked. But um, I ended up getting a crowd, uh, sorry, cert two and uh, security and crowd control um, and then ended up just being a fucking stupid security guard. Well, not that security guards are stupid. I felt like a stupid security guard um, on the door of a couple of fucking tiny little shit pubs. Um, and then, yeah, did that while I was doing my apprenticeship. Not an easy job either. No, nah, it'd be tough. De- dealing with drunk dudes, especially on the Goldie, man. That, yeah. Like, oh, I, I, the- I was, I was very, I was very bad at my job. I did not care about the bar at all. I caught blokes smoking weed, doing fucking rack and that. I was like, just don't do that in front of me, boys. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. really care. You know, like, I've, I've just have a little slap on the pokies here and there, a little more pasta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally like I, a pineapple in the bricky's laptop. Yeah, boy, look, okay. I mean, not that I had fucking much money to throw around, but um, yeah, I just called myself a glassy in a stupid fucking uniform so to be you, honest did I, I vaguely remember you were um doing reserve work as well yeah so i was t- i was doing my tattoo apprenticeship six days uh six days a week um for no money i was doing three nights a week um uh security friday saturday sunday nights and then i was doing army reserves on tuesdays which was which was my only day off from tattooing so yeah. Um, if they had weapons escorts or whatever, I'd be like, "Fucking oath, give me him, cunt!" Like, I need the money, and um, and then yeah, I'd have the little three-hour fucking reserve meeting that night as well. It's probably a good way for boys to maintain um a little bit of regimental life, like stay in the reserves just in case shit goes south as well. Well, to so. be honest, man, for that first like three months of me trying to get a night job, like I was doing fucking reserve shit all over the joint, man, yeah. and and it kept me alive like yeah. if i wasn't able to do i haven't went out bush with the reserves cunt Jesus. holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> me and me and fucking one of the boys from five he was in my reserve unit and so he was the sec i was to i see we're like yeah we well, maybe we fucking we'll do a bush trip that'd be fun wouldn't it like i reckon reserves would be a bit more like camping and holy fuck, these cunts were the warriest motherfuckers oh, ever, bro. Like, I'm surprised up. we weren't digging shell scrapes, cunt. Like, that's how fucking warrior these guys were, you know? And you've got these little... I didn't realise, but you've got lieutenants in the reserves. They're not left. They're not real army officers. Yeah. They're uni students, cunt, and they're reservists just like you. So we had this little fucking weasel officer. He was like some med student at Griffith, and he went out bush with us, and he was just... He, this cunt, his only talent in his life was being able to recite the Pam. Everything else, he's fucking just garbage at. And and every day he'd be like, "Make sure you're all cammed up, boys." I'm looking at the cunt. I was like, "Where's your campaign, cunt?" Was he not like, wearing any? None, bro. None. Oh, I, I can't stand yeah. that. Man. <laughs> but you you, you got to practice what you preach. Right? Oh man, look. I mean, the only way to have fun with it, like me and Richo, were just like, "Right, oh, cunts, come round. We're doing a cam lesson." And like oh. me and Richo, like, "You've got to cam your teeth up, cunts. Yeah. If we see whites, <laughs> of, we're like, if you we, if we see whites of your teeth, you're fucking not cam. So yeah, we're like, right, we're like eating campaign cunt. <laughs> Richo's putting a bit in his eyes and shit. Like, oh, <laughs> make sure you cam your eyelids. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So I mean. It was the only way to get through it, just have a bit of fun with it, you know. And like, but the reserve, like, they, yeah, that was good, man. I rate it. Like, uh, yeah, I was, I was just picking up every single bit of reserve work I could get because that was keeping me afloat. It's probably a good idea that people do maintain um, that reserves. I think you know we might preach that a little bit more. Yeah, well, you can be as fucking butthurt as you want getting out or whatever your reason you want to get out. You know, like you don't have to go to every reserve unit, yeah. uh, every reserve fucking night. Like you know, if you feel like it, go for it. You know what? Sometimes you might have a bit of fun. You might do a mad PT session. You go, oh yeah, that might fucking made me feel better. Like you know, like it wasn't it wasn't like normal shit army. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, if you want to have a fucking little taste of going out bush again, can't go reserves bush. Like, it's a fucking eye-opener. We did, we did live fire section attacks, cunt, and holy fuck, I'm like, yeah, mad. I wasn't I wasn't ever a 2IC in battalion, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, mad, I'm fucking 2IC, sick. Like, yeah, boys, let's fucking, you know, this brick, let's go, cunts. And I'm fucking, I'm banding. I've got this reserve dude next to me. 
he trips over, fires around into the ground before he goes prone. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just be fucking twice-ing from a couple of metres behind you now, cunt. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker, I put that thing on safe, cunt. <laughs> put, a, put a BFA on that. <laughs> straight back to a red BFA for you, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, but, you know, that's like – that was fun, you know, like – um. But yeah, again, like, you know, if you want to get your little fucking splash of fucking green again, like, just do that shit. So your um, skills and disciplines that you learned in the military, what do you reckon has um, sort of helped you in conducting business now? Because obviously you still are fairly regimentalised with um, how you go about things. I think we're all still fairly like that too. Yeah, I think I've probably picked up a fucking little mild case of OCD since leaving. But um, but I think I, I think noticed. just <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me fucking door open. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I I think um, I think just being able to have like good routine. Yeah, I think routine kind of keeps me real sane. As soon as I'm wrecking my routine, I'm a bit out of it. Yeah. Um, but as well, like I developed like a real, real, real strong um, competitiveness being in the army, I reckon, and being around the fucking group of boys where, oh, you know, it's a, it's a bit sort of testosterone driven, you know, everyone's doing good, we're all team, but at the end of the day, like you want to be the fucking best in the team. So, you know, like I feel like that team, uh, that sort of um, – uh, that hunger for competitiveness that was, uh, I mean, probably before the army I had that, but I was more sort of really elevated in the army and now I've continued that into my work, you know. So that competitiveness definitely drives me to always, always try and, I don't know, it might sound like a fuckwit sometimes, but I'm like I want to hold myself higher than other cunts because I want to be better than the other ones. Well, that, other people, and you know you're a I mean? bit of a perfectionist as well and – Obviously, without those two things, you wouldn't have become as good of an artist as what you are. Yeah, yeah, today. yeah. So I think I, I mean, and and as well, like, look, I'm a, I'm a rat bag still, but just having that little bit sort of right from wrong discipline as well. You can you can bend the rules here and there, but there's some things you just do just do the fucking right thing, you know. And I think that was made from the military. Um, but yeah, so yeah, structure, structure of just having um, ideas of how you're going to do things, like sort of what sort of um, routines you're going to do, um, the hunger of, of competitiveness yep. that, that I feel like I really sort of honed in from the army. And then, um, and then yeah, just that, that, that sort of right from wrong discipline where you can still be a bit of a fucking shitbag here and there with certain things, but there's, there's certain other things where, you know, just uh, I think that comes from trying to hold yourself higher as well. Like, you know, if you're trying to hold yourself higher, you're not necessarily going to be fucking just the baddest at, at all the rules either, you know. There's going to be a couple, a couple of rules that you just toe the line with and I think that sort of discipline from the army Do helped. you think pride as well, Sean, because... Um, yeah, yeah, well, I, th- yeah, well, I think, I think yeah, that, that would be a good word as well, you know, because that comes with that, you know, that little inner competitiveness in my head of wanting to hold myself higher than people. So therefore, like, I'm proud to, to like hold myself higher, you know. Yep. I'm, pr- I'm proud to maybe take a little bit extra work on something just to do it that little bit better, you know. And obviously that shows through, um, you know, your bookings as well because you're booked out, um, you know, months, six months in advance. So, yeah. you know, showing a lot of pride in your work is probably a testament to those bookings as well. Yeah. Uh, repeat customers wanting to come back. It'd be a hard industry if you didn't show any pride in your work. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's all, it's all, um, you know, it's all reputation as well. You know, yeah. you 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 have one one bundle. Like, you know, you can guarantee if you fuck someone up for any type of job. You know, doesn't matter if it's tattooing or not. But you know, you do bad by someone. You know, that person is going to go out of their way to tell at least ten people, or oh, oh, fuck, and that's at very least. Like, you know, you these people. Some people will fucking tell everyone from the fucking rafters. You know, where if you do good good work for someone, you'd be lucky enough to pick up you know three recommendations from you know that that actually follow through and then get it work from you as well. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely in um, your right, uh, your best interest to, you know, in in that sort of um, fucking you know. Oh fuck! What have, what word are you saying? I'm lost my full train of thought. I'm just rambling again. But um, but yeah, no, it's definitely in your best interest to have that sort of upper, upper sort of thoughts of yourself and just do good, you know. So, and how how long were you tattooing when you um, you went out on your own or got into your partnership? Okay, so I worked for my first boss for almost three years, I think. 
Um, and that that was good. Uh, it was just a bit of a. Um, it was just a change that I wanted. So Sean, my business partner, he had been on me to get in, get in with him for a while, you know. And I had that bit of loyalty like still in me. So I was like, I don't want to leave my boss, like blah blah blah, because he's not doing anything bad by me, blah 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 blah. And anyway, it just sort of did deteriorated a bit more in that studio where I, I realized I wasn't sort of as appreciated as what I thought I should have been. Um, so I jumped in with Sean and to be honest, it's the best move I ever made. Like I should have done it sooner. I still had that loyalty sort of to my first boss though, you know. So I did three years with the first boss, then jumped in with Sean. So me and Sean worked to get, oh, well, sorry, I worked for Sean for about two years, I think. Um, and that was at Loco Tattoo. So he opened Loco Tattoo. We had our 10 years, um, Loco had uh, 10 years, I think last month. So he opened Loco 10 years ago. Um and we have now been in business together for five years. So, yeah, yeah seven awesome. years ago I started working with Sean. Uh, sorry, started working for Sean. Um, and so we had about two years where I worked under him. And, um, and yeah, I, I, when I first moved, we moved in with Sean, I, I had my heart set on open my own studio. So I'd, I'd bought, I bought a house. Um, the house had uh, like a commercial property downstairs of it, so that was my grand plan. I was gonna, I was gonna open my studio downstairs um, in a seventy square meter little fucking commercial office, and I was gonna have my own business and just be my own boss. And when I moved in with Sean, all the sort of settlement was still happening. So I said to Sean, I said, "Look, as long as you understand, like I'm, I might be scooting and booting in, you know, two months' time or you know, twelve months' time. Not sure." But um, as long as you're okay with that and you know that I'm, you know, out of here because I want to open my own joint, um, then, yeah, like I'll be happy as to work for you, you know. And he goes, yeah, fucking no worries, mate. Like it's, it's yeah, it's easy as. And, yeah, then me and Sean just fucking set off like a house on fire. Like yeah. literally, yeah, we are so good together. He's here yeah, he's, and he's a role model to me. Like he's great, you know. So, again, super lucky that I've even come into contact with him, you know. Well, to get a business to 10 years and successful as well is a pretty big feat because a lot of yeah. businesses sort of fail in the first years. So to be going 10 years is fucking pretty good. And be a competitive market down there on the GC oh, as well. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, so I did the two years with him and then, um, I mean, not that like there was any sort of two-year time frame, but yeah, I did two years with him. My tenants that I had in my property were leaving and I said to Sean, I said, look, like um, this is my chance like, to open my own joint. Um, but to be honest, like I love working with you. So would you ever be interested in, um, you know, partnering? And I said, you can have this studio, I can have my studio, like we'd be partners still, blah, blah, blah. And we sort of thinking of the process and work and plans out and that. We're like, well, it doesn't really work to do that. So why don't, and he, he, you know, to his credit as well, why don't I close my studio and we open a bigger one together? And I was like, well, fucking oath, cunt. Like if you yeah. want to close your studio, like your baby and let's open a big one together, like I'm fucking gun-ho. I'm Pretty I'm big leap yeah. on his behalf. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I'm like, I'm 100% into that. And, and, um, and yeah, so that was the plan. So we, he went from, um, we went from a 60 square meter property in the old loco to then 150 square meter property now in the new loco. It's a big studio. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, now we, we've, um, We've got 12 artist bays in our studio. We're, at the moment, we've got 11 artists, uh, one apprentice and – or one non-tattooing apprentice and um, and uh, manager. So, so yeah, it's a fucking – it's a bit of a circus in there when everyone's got their customers and everyone's in there. there. And, a lot yeah. of buzzing. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, but it's good. And, again, that's probably a thing that I've learned from the army as well, just that structure. Um, you know, like Sean and I have just worked out – structured like little sort of rules not not like you know fucking nazi rules yeah. but just little structured rules and procedures to make sure everything's working like clockwork yep. and it does like the place is just absolute fucking pristine you just know? smooth yeah smooth yeah 100%. So, and did uh, as you well know like we don't sops just, i guess you can call them yeah yeah, yeah. We, we don't just like hearing the good stories have you had any what sort of big failures have you had and how have you learned from them? Um, fuck. We talk about your buddy um, new studio build, how you thought oh. you could do it by yourselves. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, the chippies, 
he's done half a year chipping with his dad and he can suddenly build a studio. Mate, yeah. mate, still still hasn't got his nail gun still <laughs> Put a frame up. Ta- tattoo us to the fucking tradies, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, I he's mean. A, he's a floor... What yeah. is it? Um, floor covering experts, framing oh, experts, bro. plastering yeah, yeah, experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big. That was a big eye opener building the studio. But look, I don't think there any failures. There's just been lessons, you know. Yeah. And then you, you, every now and then, you fucking run into a bit of a roadblock, fucking you know, occurrence or event or or whatever it is. And all you do is you just work out how to get by, like yeah. get past it. And then you know what? You just don't make that same mistake again. Well, it's all you perspective. Don't let, you don't let yourself get into that same, um, you know, bad spot again. And that's what ha- has, and trust me, I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. Like I got myself into fucking trouble here and there, you know, and you just, you, you just fucking, right, I'm going to learn from that. That's not happening again. And, well, and for sure it's like another thing that you, like, diggers are good for is just that resilience yeah um and you know when you're having a shitty time just mm. pick yourself up and just keep yeah, well, you just got to pivot really it's you know it's the way people perceive things it's oh i failed there but not really it's just another lesson that you've had to learn and fucking pivot from yeah. it and then keep moving forward well yeah I, I don't know like i i should have said earlier when we're talking about traits from the army it's like um credibility yeah you know like Oh, okay, sweet as like I've got fucking I've got a Monday appointment like so so I know that you know don't go wild on the weekend because you've got someone who you need to be oh sorry not credibility like accountability yeah so you've got someone who you've got to be yeah. accountable to Monday or I've got you know the business I've got to be accountable to so the thing is like yeah that's that's one thing the hundred percent that I learned from the army if you say you're gonna if you say you're going to fucking be there at what time or whatever, just make sure you're there at that time, you know? Yeah, I, remember, I don't think I'm late to anything. Yeah, just, oh, you say you're going to do something, do it. Like your words, your words worth everything, you know? Yep. If you if you tell cons you're going to do something, you don't do it, fuck. I mean, it's so, so, so often these days, even just like, you know, perfect example, like, yeah, I'm coming to your party. And then the day, the day of, they're like, ah, oh, I'm not coming to your party. Sorry, bro. And they give you some bullshit excuse. Like, fuck, I'm just, uh, just say no from the start, you know? Yeah. I remember some of the days out in Afghan, you know, you got this shit as patrol. We got to walk through some fucking area where they've got this ambush or whatever. And you're just like, oh, this one's going to be fucking, this one's going to be a bit wild, you know? And then you look around, everyone else is doing it. You're like, fuck, yep, we're doing it, you know? Like, yep. um, yeah, holding yourself a bit accountable as well. You, those those appointments, those things that you need to do for work, like you've got to do them. Like if you say you're doing them, you're doing them. So where's the business going now? Have you and Sean got a plan um, moving forward? Like he's going to expand or? Yeah, see, we're we're we're, we're great. We're we're so good together. So um, our sort of main thing is, you know, like my my weaknesses. Sean picks up for all of them with his strengths and it's vice versa. You know, with his weaknesses, he picks them. Um, I pick all, all of them up, you know. So for us to move forward, like, that's that's such a good and that's such a strong thing that we have going for us. So we have, we have plans to expand in that, you know, but we need to make sure we do the right sort of plan for expanding. Yep. So at the moment, man, like, you know, we're teetering on having a full studio and it's been like that for the last three to four years, you know. So their only step forward is to progress into something else. Yeah. Um, but we need to make sure that we work out um, the, the plan properly, you know. So we haven't rushed into anything like that because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, man, him and I both tattoo five days a week. Mm. So we're time poor. You know, so if we are going to exert ourselves into something new, like something needs to give a bit, you know, so for the first initial period, you know, we need to slow down on our tattooing so we can look after that extra effort we need to do yeah. or until we work out all the plans and procedures and stuff and everything starts going good. So at the moment we're fucking chock-a-block and full noise. So for us to go bigger and better, like we just got to make sure we have that step like down pat pro- properly first, you know. Yeah, so proper plan of action. We, yeah, we haven't we haven't got anything in concrete at the moment, but we've always got ideas coming out of our fuck Sean's ideas, man. He, that can't that can't loves ideas. He's he's got a great new idea all the time, and I'm I'm probably a bit more old man. I'm like, can't I don't like change. <laughs> 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 so again, like you know, my my weakness, his strength. Like so um so yeah, like obviously. 
you know, we could open a second studio straight away and we would do quite well, but we want to make sure we do it properly. Our whole our whole way we built Loco was was going slow and building it up properly. Not half-assing anything. Yeah. Making sure we got quality the whole way through. Yeah. And that's shown because we don't lose artists. We don't have bad reviews. We have everything just primo quality. I'd rather I'd rather have like a fucking epic quality quality workmanship, quality crew where everyone gets along rather than just rushing something and, and you know, little things imploding on the inside, you know? Yeah. So, and, and just problems, like, let's be honest, problems are good because it works out, you work out ways to overcome them. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be overwhelmed with fucking problems. No. Yeah. Um, so as the final question, mate, um, what would you say to people transitioning from the military? You know, as a young dig, you know, might be 17 and you're looking at discharging because you've had enough. You're probably a bit older than 17. 17. You're 17. You're 21. (laughs) You've been in for a while. You've done your four years. You're sick of going to TS every bloody March for three months and not showering and, you know, not having your mobile phone and ringing your... No, the cunts take mobile phones out field now, bro, apparently. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But you're sick of calling your depender or you, you can't call her. So what would you say for someone transitioning out and looking at... Um, starting a business because that's what we're all about here is, you know, giving people purpose and we feel as though businesses give back purpose. What would you say, mate? Okay, straight up, don't be a dumb cunt and leave without a plan forward. Like you wouldn't leave any other job without another job to go to, so do not do that leaving the army. Pretty much I think that's maybe the golden rule. Yeah. And then you know what? If you don't know what you want to do, fucking do some sort of – like educational training while you're in the army and use them dudes to pay for it. Yeah. And like, I'd, I'd like to tack on top of that as well um, before again, you leave. Because again, I'm going to cut you off, sorry, because again, don't leave without a plan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and and get your fucking med doc squared away um, before you leave as well. Can't stress that enough because inevitably you are going to be visiting our good mates at DVA. Um, so get your med doc squared away. Um, we should also mention that, you know, when you buy an NFT with War Dogs, you get discount at Ryan. Um, so he's not cheap to be tattooed at. So quick, every, quick little subject change. Yeah, yeah. So every, tatt- every um, War Dog you own, you get $100 off Ryan uh, every six months, which is pretty good. So, and then you get the perks of our business as well with War Dogs. So, I mean, that pretty much brings us to the end of it, mate. Um, that's episode four of five. the Bulldogs. Five, is it? Five. Yeah. Yeah. Episode five Shit. of the Bulldogs podcast. How many we got on the thing over? But we've only got three on the thing over. Yeah, one, one's coming out soon. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, well, is that? Winnie's one. Yeah, does that take us to four? So this Yeah, that's be, the fourth one if we need one. Yeah, so yeah. this will be episode five. All right. right. Um, cool. Thanks, Ryan. Thank yeah. you very much, boys. Thanks, mate. And, um, you know, we've got a couple other podcasts. Thank you for paying for my flights to come up here. It was great. Yes. And the, com- the free accommodation. Thanks. Yeah, no drama, man. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's episode five of War Dogs, our podcast done. We had Ryan from War Dogs and Loco Studios on the Gold Coast chewing the fat today and showed our listeners a small insight into his career as a soldier and now his success as a tattooist. If you know of a veteran who is doing something great in business or life post-defense, we want to hear from them. Slide into our DMs on Instagram and Twitter, Wardogs underscore NFT. All episodes of Wardogs Hours podcast is available on all major podcast apps, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, etc., and YouTube as well. We're not filming these. Um, that's it for today, fellas. Uh, and just, Ryan, one last thing. Do you just want to um, share your socials so people can... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking no, fucking no. Yeah, just type in D, you'll probably find me. Nah, just joking. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah it's just uh, Doddy Tattoo. So D-O-D-D-Y underscore tattoos. Filthy. Nah, but yeah, I think um, what we're trying to do here, we're trying to, yeah, open people's eyes to, you know, stuff... After defense, well, I want to hear fucking mad worry. Trust me, I want to hear mad worries. <laughs> yeah, but I want to hear of dudes who are doing real good outside of outside of the army or and navy or air force, even coppers. You know, so if you do have someone that you know of, um, even stitch them up and just throw their details into our um, DMs, and we can then contact them and you know work out if they want to come on or whatnot. You know, so it'd be great because it's, it's cool to hear, um, you know, uplifting good stories of blokes who are fucking doing well. Yep. Yeah. Because may, maybe other cons, because then maybe other cons can listen to that shit, and then they can go, "Oh, right, oh, fucking, there is some good things, you know." Yeah, it there. can be done. 
Yeah. And if you want an apprenticeship, it's hard work. So fucking, you better be ready. Yeah, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go knocking <laughs> on these boys' doors anytime soon either. Um, you, know, you might be Jaff now. I'm not sure. <laughs> Imagine walking up there. Oh man, I've got a portfolio. <laughs> oh, you know what? I did do it to someone. Oh, one you young did. kid. Oh man. Oh, just a quick one at the end. Yeah, we'll have this little like the little outro. But yeah, this poor little kid. His his school teacher came in. Like, oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm and he comes in. He goes. I'm in art. I'm, I'm in art, and I want to get an apprenticeship. And I'm like, okay, sweet. I was like, what portfolio? Have you got any work for me, mate? And he goes, oh no, I don't have any drawings for you. I just thought I'd just come and say hello. And I'm like, well, look, bro. Like, I don't know who your art teacher is, but he's kind of set you up for fucking failure straight away, man. And I was, who's this cunt? Oh no, sorry. And then, and then his mate jumped off the couch, and he's like, oh no, no, here's the photos. I'm like, mate, who are you? Are you on this interview? And and then this yeah. kid's like, and I'm like, sit back down. <laughs> I said, bro. I'm I'm serious about my business. You want to do something in tattooing, man, or any sort of job, take yourself seriously. You should have drawings ready. You should have this ready. You should have that ready. Don't bring your dropkick, mate, and sit on my fucking couch like a lazy cunt. I said, this is everything, for that couch, this is everything you need to make yourself look as good as possible. Go to your school, tell your art teacher he's an idiot and do all this stuff properly. I said, give me your Instagram and you and me can chat properly yep. and I can help you out on DMs. And he goes, oh... Um, I don't know my Instagram name. I was like, well, here you go. Give me your phone. Let me type my Instagram name into your Instagram. And he goes, oh, I don't have any credit. I was like, oh, look, bro, you've just <laughs> fucked everything up today. Yes. Can you please get out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here to help the little kid. Oh, man, it's a life lesson. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I have had one moment like that. And I think only because I was in a fucking rush and he's just fully caught me off guard. And yeah, so, Set you the know. Mood. Yeah. Anyway, that's the outro. I'm a, I'm a fucker. <laughs> the War Dogs NFT mission and team and all related podcast episodes and content are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer or other professional.